Can I just say that we don't have a click problem at this school? And some of us shouldn't have to take this workshop because some of us are just victims in the situation? That's probably true. How many of you have ever felt personally victimized by Regina George? Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is Season 4, Episode 15, or... Or Book 6, Cheaper by the Coven, Chapter 4. The previously on wants us to remember that in order to find the author, the guy who can give Regina a happy ending but not in that way, the clues to his location are hidden in the book. And also, Mary Margaret and David are responsible for Maleficent losing her child... Which is a very... motherfuckers. Well, because of us, Maleficent lost her child, which is a nice sort of... It's a passive way of saying, you fucking killed her daughter. Yeah, it's a very passive way of saying, we threw her baby into a death pit. They also wanted to remind us that Pinocchio used to be an adult, a stubbly adult who rode motorcycles and wore leather jackets. Oh boy, hope that's... Oh, God... Oh god, August. So, the episode opens properly with Regina sexy walking down Main Street with the wind in her hair, and Lana Perea knows how to walk down a windy street. That's all I'm saying. There's a lot of sexy stuff for Lana Perea this episode. Yeah. It's like they suddenly remember that she's this incredibly gorgeous woman. I mean, before we started watching this episode, for really no reason at all, I subjected you to Regina's song from the musical episode of Once Upon a Time again. God bless her heart, she went for it. I mean, even doing that terrible, ridiculous song, she looks great and is giving it her all. Also, I know that I tend to see Swan Queen everywhere because it's my thing. No, there. It, this episode is thick with it. Which is good, because otherwise this would definitely be a giant time waster episode. Also, I feel like if this episode was less Swan Queeny, then there might be some questions at the end of this episode as to where Hook was. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I still don't know where Hook was during this episode, but at least now I know why no one cared. Okay, so I had an issue with this episode where I thought it was basically the next three episodes... I thought the next three episodes basically took place in this episode. You mean you thought that this episode got all of the stuff done that it needs to get done, and instead they stretched that out over three episodes? Yeah. Remember how the Frozen season had really good pacing? We're, we're done with that now. Uh, I mean, we're not in Peter Pan realms of bad pacing yet, but yeah, it's not good. Luckily... I mean, okay. It's not as noticeable here because we're spending more time with actors we actually care about who are actually acting, so. Well, I mean, the last episode ended with Snow's cryptic because of us, she lost her child line. This is episode 15. We're going to get this episode and then all of episode 16, which is actually a good episode. It's Ursula's backstory. Poor Uh, unfortunate souls. Yes. uh. And then it's not until episode 17 that we actually get the story behind the baby death pit. That's so much time. Seriously. 
Okay, so Maleficent is just hanging out around town. She's not keeping her resurrection close to the chest. I mean, I guess all of the main characters already know about it, so there's not much of a point, but... No, I mean, why why would you hide when you came back from the dead? Jesus didn't. Mm. She's being dapper as hell, by the way. I love her civilian outfit. I know. For someone who's dead, she looks great. She's got like a 40s traveling outfit with the hat and the jacket and the brooch and she... Oh. So we've got a real Heathers bit here where Maleficent's like, Oh, hello, Regina. Your face is so symmetrical. If I split it down the center, I'd have two equal halves. I was actually thinking it was more of a Mean Girls thing where they're like, Regina, you can't sit with us. Well, they want to know if she's still a bad girl. Exactly. No, it's exactly Mean Girls. She's not one of them anymore. So they invite her out for a night of debauchery and property damage to prove that she's still an evil, evil lady. Get in, loser. We're going eviling. Ah. So back in fairytale land, Snow White's stunt double is riding a horse. And Regina is so pissed off about it. Okay, this is low-key, like, the fifth Regina Goes Evil episode. I mean, I know she's evil already, but it really feels like another How Regina Became Evil episode. Well, yeah, except this isn't really How Regina Became Evil. This is more like How Regina Learned to Be Evil, you know? Because evil's not just a state of mind, it's also a skill set, apparently. She's freaking out because apparently Snow's so good at riding her horse that she won all these ribbons because apparently horse riding competitions are a thing in the Enchanted Forest. And Also, they have ribbons that look shockingly like modern equestrian ribbons. Which Regina rips off the walls and uh, rumples like, isn't it ironic how you saved her from a horse and now she's really good at riding horses? And Regina's like, that's not what irony is. Alanis. I don't understand the setting of this scene. It's in the stable because she's pissed off about the riding, so she wanted to, like, tear down the ribbons. But she also seems to have a little magic altar set up in the stable, and that's where Rumple is meeting her. I, it's, it's very weird. It's like they were really concerned about the Aristotelian unity of place, but they didn't understand that that means that you have to write it to have a unity. They were just like, so everything happens in the stable, right? I mean, I guess that is where Daniel was killed. Ooh, never mind, I take it back. They do know how to write Aristotelian unities. So Rumpel notices that Regina's been reading Maleficent's spell book. It's like that scene in Friends where Phoebe finds out that Joey is learning how to play guitar the proper way from another teacher. And Rumpel, to his credit, Rumpel doesn't really uh, seem to care that much. He's like, she's a little bit showy for me, but what do I know? I'm only the dark one! Regina is like, I don't think I need you anymore. You're not teaching me what I need to know. I'm going to find Maleficent and we're going to be best friends and we're going to hold hands and murder people. Yeah, basically. So he tells her, go ahead, go talk to Maleficent. You know, one time she was so mad she set a tree on fire and it still burns to this day. That's how much evil anger magic she had. That actually really reminds me of the story of Jesus and the fig tree. How Jesus really, really hates figs. Why does that never get mentioned? Okay, first of all, it's not that he hates figs. 
It said he was mad at the tree for not bearing figs, even though figs were not in season at the time. I just remember that passage of him freaking out at the fig tree. Uh, Right, but he actually really loves figs. He was mad at the tree for not having any figs. And he cursed the tree. He was like, fuck you, tree. And then when they came by the next day, the tree was dead. And his disciples were like, dude, Jesus, that tree that you just cursed, now it's dead. And he's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that I'm a demigod. I should be really careful when I say fuck you and curse things. Like, none of this is an exaggeration. That's legit what the story is. A side note, I was actually super into the Bible as a little kid. I don't really know why, but I don't know. I was, like, really into it. Well, the Bible's, like, the opposite of Once Upon a Time. The canon's way more interesting than the fan stuff. <laughs> so, Rumpel very conspicuously brings up this thing that might be a plot point later about how this tree that Maleficent set on fire is burning forever as a symbol of her rage. And that that fire sustains her and Regina needs to get her some belly fire if she wants to be good at magic. Well, you know how we talked about how there's, like, a masculine energy behind magic and a feminine energy behind magic in this show? And the way Rumpel's magic is kind of cold and collected, and Regina's kind of burns hot. Mm -hmm. So I think Regina's right to think that maybe she needs a teacher who also burns hot the way that she does. And Rumpel, to his credit's like, yeah, you should learn from multiple sources. Um, but to the opposite of his credit... He teleports her to the middle of nowhere where the tree is burning, where she has no idea where she is to teach her a lesson. Point. She can see Maleficent's castle, but it looks like it's about, what, half a day's ride away? Also, it's in a matte painting, so I don't even know how she's going to get there. Now would be a really good time for her to know how to teleport. Yeah, it really would. Not that it would be that useful, because I doubt she would have remembered that she can. Yeah... Yeah, when do you think you learn how to teleport? When in your magic training do you think that comes up? Well, weirdly enough, it seems to be after ripping out hearts. I would think teleporting would be before ripping out hearts. Actually, we know you get your license in sixth year. And much like in Harry Potter, one of the first things you learn is telekinesis. Much like in Harry Potter and, well... Actually, in Buffy, uh, Willow's starter spell was reinsoling Angel, so... And floating pencils. Floating pencils and reinsoling Angel. Well, she started floating pencils after she reinsoled Angel. Her first successful solo spell was sucking a dude's soul back into his body. Okay, this is actually really relevant. Because the reason that she was able to reinsole Angel was because she was working under pressure. She had, like, motivation to do it. Just like in this episode, Maleficent seems to have lost her powers, but will get them back under the proper motivation. Lesbian subtext, which is also how Willow becomes way more powerful in Buffy. Actually, again, I say lesbian subtext, it's lesbian text text. Yeah, yeah. So, back in the present, Emma is super pissed that her parents sent her girlfriend undercover without telling her. She is, she's so angry, and she's so worried about Regina. And she's like, well, when is Regina supposed to check in with you? And they're like hours ago she was supposed to check in hours ago and emma is not having that yeah i just i love how concerned emma is in this because she's like a you should have told me before doing this b like i could have helped out i was a bail bonds person i feel like this is the first time in a while we've heard bail bonds person yeah and she's right i mean it's good for her to remind them that she actually has real world skills and knows what she's doing 
she should be the one who's pretending to be evil to ingratiate herself with the trio. Emma? I feel like that would be a much harder sell. Okay, maybe, but I'll point out that Emma's gonna go pretty evil. Yes, and as we learned a couple episodes back, she's got the biggest potential for darkness. As we learned last week, the product of true love has the possibility to be either the greatest good or the greatest evil. And they all know that. She could totally be trading on that right now. I still think Regina makes more sense. She has history with these people. And let's be clear, she is real good at going high drama. All right, that's true. But can we kind of stop for a second? Because I've really lost the plot. But I don't think I'm the one who's lost the plot. I think Once Upon a Time is the one who lost the plot. Didn't they come to this town saying that they were looking for redemption? I think we've moved past that by this point. I think we're looking for redemption kind of went out the window when they resurrected their dead friend. But didn't they come saying they were looking for redemption and Regina was like, okay, but if you're not good, I'm going to kick you right the fuck out. So don't put a toe out of line. Isn't resurrecting Maleficent kind of putting a whole foot out of line? Uh. Why are they humoring any of this instead of just kicking them out? What's... I've... You know what? I have not lost the... I have not lost the thread. Once Upon a Time has lost the thread here. Why are we playing games? Regina, you don't have to sneak around. You're the mayor. Just kick them out. You're the mayor and actively more powerful than them. Right? Counterpoint. Okay. Regina does know that they're brewing something. It's something that might not require them to be in town. She knows that they're hiding something big. Okay, because I was actually going to say, she knows that the thing that they're brewing requires them to be in town. So she could solve it by just kicking them out. I just... I I mean, I don't want to complain about Ursula and Cruella and Maleficent being in this show, because God knows I love Ursula and Cruella and Maleficent, but what are they doing in this show? I mean, to stay on the Mean Girls thread, they don't even go here. So, speaking of Mean Girls, Regina is in the car with uh, Maleficent and Ursula and Cruella, and they are going to put her to the evil test. Oh, by playing the stupidest game of chicken ever? By playing the stupidest game of chicken ever. To prove that she's evil... They're parked on the train tracks. By the way, there's a train in Storybrooke. What is the point of that? Where could it possibly go? Uh, Where does it come from? Where does it go? See, and I would totally buy there being a train, you know, because New England, big train country. I'm from there. I know. But the thing is, people aren't supposed to come in and out of Storybrooke. They can't. And the game is, they sit on the track while a train comes at them, and the first person who teleports them to safety is less evil than the other ones. It's whoever, whoever's overcome by the urge to save the others isn't really evil. So evil people want to die? Okay, I, I was thinking about this because this was bothering me. Maybe they were just waiting for her to teleport herself out of the car. Okay, that seems like an even... Okay, that seems like an even dumber plan. That's an even worse idea, because that means that the way that they were going to prove that Regina was evil was that Regina lets them die. Good Which job. Which would have solved her problem. Good job, Trio. You proved Regina isn't evil. And honestly, look, 
Regina, why did you save them? Because you could have just teleported yourself to safety, and presumably they had a plan to not die. Yeah, what was was Ursula gonna stretch her tentacles out and pull them out of the way? Oh, like that scene in Spider-Man with the with the webs where he has to stop the subway. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Like you said, if they die, problem, problem solved. solved. But Krell's like, ha ha! You have to pay up, Maleficent. She wasn't evil enough to get us all killed. What was the, what was the goal here? But Maleficent's like, don't worry, she'll remember, and then they all laugh. Don't worry, she'll remember that she hates us and wants us to die. Like, you guys were in a fight last time you saw each other. Remember? Maleficent, she had you trapped in a basement for 30 years. Yeah, and then she turned you into some sort of weird banshee thing. This show's weird. Yeah, I I still don't really know what was up with that. So, back in Belle's shop, Henry's looking at the book through a magnifying glass he's he's really doing a whole da vinci code thing where he's looking for hidden messages inside uh pictures he definitely is doing his robert langdon impression here i was thinking of him more as like an adventure gamer where he's looking for the one piece that will lead him to the next piece and he's not just looking at the book he's specifically looking at the page they found last week that shows the door that has the answers Mm. anyway bell brings him a croissant because growing boys have to keep their strength up while he tries to figure out where that door is located so that they can go through it and get the answers also bells from france remember right that's why she brought him a croissant she's part she's from the australian region of france so hook informs emma that the evil witches got super wasted at granny's and basically just busted up the place it's like that scene in bad mom's where they mess up the grocery store, which is legitimately the only part of that movie you need to watch because it's really funny and the rest of the movie's kind of eh. Anyway. Speaking of bad people, Snow and David are talking about how it's really no big deal if Regina gets killed on uh, this mission because who cares about Regina anyway? But then they remember that Emma cares about Regina and she's going to be so mad at them if they get her girlfriend killed. Snow remembers that. David's David's pretty eh about this whole thing until he finds a police car fried. David's pretty checked out this whole episode. Anyway, Regina shows up and she's like, this is what we had to do because this is what they think is fun. And Snow's like, if this is what your friends are making you do, they're not your real friends. I love how Regina says to prove herself she had to go drinking, burning, and some general destruction. And Snow and David get so indignant about property destruction, like they completely forgot a couple of weeks ago when they were teaching Henry how to drive and thought it was hysterical that he took out all those mailboxes. Yeah, they're like, so all you accomplished was property destruction? And Regina's like, no, I found out they've got some big magic thing they're hiding in town that's gonna, I don't know, kill everyone or something, and I need more time to find out. And they're mad at her because it's taking more than a night to find out what the secret plan is. She's like, do you even know what going undercover is? So in the flashback, Regina goes into Maleficent's house, which is supposed to look like a disaster. But, I mean, it, it mostly looks like the night after a party with fairly conscientious guests. I mean, it looks like my bedroom now. It's supposed to look like Mrs. Havisham, you know? Yeah. But... There's just some clothes strewn about and the food's not put away. Like, it literally looks like the room we're in right now. Oh no, there's 
almost no clothing on the floor, and there's like a cup that's on its side on a table. Okay, now I'm seriously embarrassed looking around my room. My room looks way more trashed than this room. So, Maleficent's sitting in an armchair and she's like, Hey, light my fire. And Regina pops a cute little fireball into her hand and she poofs it into the fireplace and Maleficent's like, okay, fine, whatever. Better than nothing. Okay, once we see Maleficent... She puts the hot in hot mess. I was just gonna say, she actually is rocking a sexy Mrs. Havisham. She's got her, like, hair all wild and her clothes all disheveled and her clothes are, like, the Maleficent dresses, except voluminous so that they can be wild instead of tight like they usually are. I do have to say, though, that the way they're showing that her hair is wild is by having it crimped, but that actually takes work. Hair doesn't naturally end up in that state. Maybe whatever she naturally is has naturally crimped hair. Yeah, she's a dragon, so, okay. So, she's holding something, and Regina's like, what have you got there? Some kind of magical potion? And Maleficent's all, no, it's heroin. Yeah, it's, yep, it's magical heroin. It's sleeping potion mixed with toadstool and seawater. And you just and take... And it gets you super fucking stoned, bro. Yeah, you take it, like, one drop at a time. But this is where we get into a weird area. You mean the cyclical nature of time and fairy tales in Once Upon a Time? Okay, because she talks about how... Maleficent talks about how she got all drugged out. Which is that she had a and she had an idea for this perfect revenge and she pulled it off, but then King Stefan the Square Jawed came and kissed Briar Rose and ruined everything. Okay, so in the Disney movie, Briar Rose and Aurora are the same person. Oh uh, yes. And Stefan is her dad. Okay. Is he given a name? He is. Okay. He is King Stefan. He is the father of Aurora, who is Briar Rose. Do they call her Briar Rose? Yeah. Okay. That's Her name is Aurora when she's a princess, but the fairies are way smarter than, uh, the fairies are way smarter than Mother Gothel, and when they are trying to hide a baby from the royal family, they give her a different name. The fairies name her Briar Rose. That's the name she grows up with. Okay. And she doesn't find out she's Aurora until the end of the movie. That must be... Do you think she went to, back to being Aurora all the time? Because she... Like, she spent the first 16 years of her life as Briar Rose. And then they're like, Hey, you're a princess and your name's Aurora, so everyone's going to be calling you that from now on? So a lot of women spend 20 or 30 years with one name and then change it? Hmm. So I'll tell you from experience, it is very disconcerting. But after a couple months, you get used to it. All right. So I'm just saying it's weird that Briar Rose is married to the character who was her dad. Or that they gave her mom, her peasant name to her mom. Well, okay. But I don't think when they wrote Once Upon a Time, they were thinking about the fact that she was called Briar Rose as a peasant. I think they were just thinking about the fact that the Disney princess is Aurora, the original princess is Briar Rose... So let's have Aurora be Briar Rose's daughter, since Disney fairy tales are really more the offspring of the original fairy tales than they are the fairy tales themselves. All right, so 
was Maleficent not invited to Briar Rose's christening then? And that's why she was pissed with her in the first place? Or No, I think she had a personal grudge against Briar Rose. Okay, so we're going to get into this later. I'm going to mention it. I think Stefan stole her wings. You think that, yeah, because we'll talk about it when it comes up. When we see Stefan, you mean? Yeah. So Regina's like, wow, you're really a broken down piece of crap. What happened to the Maleficent who did cool stuff like turned into dragons and set trees on fire? And Maleficent does her, they have her do the vampire speed thing. Let's be clear. Her teleportation is the vampire speed thing from True Blood. And she does it over to Regina and she's like, oh, you do not want to fuck with me. Even in this state, I will tear your ass apart. And Regina's like, you talk big. Let's see you act. This is actually a really classic trope, right? The mentor who has gone to seed and the young chosen one coming and pulling that mentor out from the brink of Havishamness. Mm. Anyway, the three evil queens, the trio, are talking with Rumpelstiltskin about how they're talking about how they know Regina's trying to infiltrate them for information. And Rumpel's like, yeah, but also Regina's wicked easy to manipulate. So why don't we just bring her into the fold? Like, it's not going to take a lot to push her into being evil again. Rumpel's like, I've been involved in five different stories where she turned to the dark side. This will just be number six. So back in Fairytale Land, Regina's all, Hey, random coach in the middle of the road, I'm trying to get to Leopold's castle. Can you give me a lift? Actually, it, since you did that, whatever that was that you were just doing, mm-hmm. um, I do want to bring up that Lana Perea is doing an ingenue voice right now yeah. to differentiate her from, you know, adult wizened Regina, and it's kind of adorable. That's, again, that's why I feel like this is another origin of Regina becoming evil thing. Because she is doing her ingenue voice and she does have her ingenue hair. Clearly she started down the path of evil, but she's still like the peppy young upstart. Well, I feel like she has the drive, but not yet the means for evil. So she she finds out from the coach driver that Aurora is getting married to Philip, which raises just so many more questions. See, I... You feel like this raises questions. I think this is a rare moment where the scripting of Once Upon a Time is, dare I say it, transcendent. Okay, so... We have, like, a huge disagreement about this, and we don't usually disagree when it comes to Once Upon a Time. I don't think we have a huge disagreement about this. Okay. I just don't think that the sleeping curse lasted hundreds of years. The one on Briar Rose lasted for a hundred years. I, I See, I just, I don't think we get any evidence of that one way or the other, outside of the source material. No, we are told that it lasted for a hundred years. Regina says that Briar Rose was asleep for a hundred years. And this is really important because this is establishing something about how the world of Once Upon a Time works that we've before only vaguely understood, but it's now kind of fixing a lot of the problems because it's letting us know that time in Once Upon a Time doesn't move the same way that it does in the world without magic. Time in the Enchanted Forest moves at the speed of stories, which is why my whole what is time thing, the answer is, like, time moves when things happen. 
So Aurora didn't sleep for 100 years then. Aurora did not sleep for 100 years. She didn't sleep for 100 years in the Disney movie, and she doesn't sleep for 100 years in Once Upon a Time. Yeah, she was supposed to sleep for 100 years in the Disney movie. Right, she and just then Philip was, And then Philip was supposed to wake her up when he was super old. And Maleficent was like, yeah, you can have your true love when he's like 100 years old and gonna die immediately. Because that's how you take away someone's happy ending. So Regina comes running back to Maleficent's castle holding an invitation to Aurora's wedding, which is a, a tiny silver plate. Which, can we just say how interesting that is? Because invitations and the presence or lack thereof is kind of the crux of the original Sleeping Beauty story. Hmm. Hmm. So she's, she tells Maleficent, she's like, look, look, you could still get your revenge. Just go to the wedding. Fuck everyone up. I know that's what I would do. But also, she's so disappointed in Maleficent. Regina's like, you literally waited a hundred years to get your revenge on Briar Rose. She fucking woke up and is happy as shit now. And now her daughter's gonna get married and get her happy ending. You've been lapped on happy endings. Regina tells her, you need to get your fire back. You need to get your pat. You can't just be this sad person wandering her house doing drugs all day. And Maleficent's all... But see, the thing is, I can. That's the cool thing about doing drugs. Regina gets her fired up. She's like, see how pissed you are at me because I'm getting in your face and being annoying? You need to focus that at people you really hate. We need to get you your fire back. So back in uh, Storybrooke, Maleficent goes into Regina's tomb and she's all, I'm sorry we've made such a mess. And Regina's like, it's okay. Sometimes I like it messy. And Maleficent's like, sorry that we had to hang out with all my friends last night. Let's just be alone together, you and me, right now. And she takes off her jacket and she hands uh, Regina this world's version of magic to help her get over her hangover. And it's it's aspirin. Yep. Don't worry, it's just wormwood. And then she explains what aspirin is and Regina's like, I know what, I know what aspirin is. I wasn't a dragon in a basement for 30 years. So Regina asks her what's on the menu, more games, and Melissa's like, no more game. I swear to God, every line seems like it's leading into a porn with these two. Anyway, Maleficent does the thing that I said she should do two weeks ago and just tells Regina, we're here to get the author. So, you know, let's do that thing. And Regina's like, well, good luck, because I've been trying to get the author for six months and I'm smarter than you and better than you. And I know storybook more than you do. And I haven't found him yet. So the end. And Maleficent's like, yeah, but we've got something else. A little bit later, they're having a clandestine meeting in the stacks of the library because, as as we know, nobody ever goes to the library, which is why Belle can just get quietly drunk in awesome heels behind the uh, librarian's desk. Yep. And Regina tells the Charmings that her plan is good because her plan is to find the author and force him to give her a happy ending. But the villain's plan is evil. Because their plan is to find the author and force him to give all villains happy endings. Mm. I mean, I guess I see her point that she's all like, I earned my redemption, so I only want happy endings to come to people who earn their redemptions. But, you know, basically Regina's arguing for the Hayes Code, right? Uh. Yeah, happy things only happen to good people. Yeah. So Emma's wondering if they could actually find the author. And Regina's like, they say they have a lead and eh, tonight I need to help them 
steal it. Steal whatever mysterious thing gives them a lead to where the author is. And then suddenly the show becomes leverage again. Yeah. And Emma's like, I don't want you to do this. This is super dangerous. You need you need to not be with these people. And Regina's all, I can take care of myself. And Emma's like, yeah. If but I'm I, with you. Yeah. She says, you're not doing this alone. I'm going with you. No matter what happens, we're in it together. It's, it's the both of us against the world. It's really sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's genuinely sweet. They've really been playing up their relationship. Like, is this is this queer baiting? Yes, yes, this is one hundred percent queer baiting. This is making my heart go all flutter because it seems like Regina and Emma have an actual relationship, and then in the end, it's going to be Regina and whoever, whoever, and Emma and Hook. Because Emma and Hook are endgame, y'all. I don't have issues with Hook. It's just. It's on the record, so it's not like I can lie about it. I was totally a flutter for Hook when he first showed up. But at this point, I'm like... We're done with Hook Done now. with him, yeah. He can he can go on now. He can, he can move on now. Corella's car drives up by itself, and Regina's like, Hmm, this doesn't seem like a trap. And Maleficent says from behind her, Oh, it's not a trap. The two of us are going to have some fun together. Come with me. And you'll be... In a world of pure villainization? Okay. So it cuts from that to Will Scarlet being very unenthusiastic about a giant cake in front of him. I think it's a stack of pancakes. Oh no, it's a cake. You're right. What the fuck is up with that cake? Look at it! Yeah. Which, but I really like this shot because it's this very ominous shot of this slightly... A slightly tilted cake and it goes from I mean that cake looks really weird is this a once upon a time in wonderland reference easter egg he does he did nearly get uh, sucked into a marshmallow swamp so I can see him being wary of giant desserts and it doesn't look like a natural cake and you're right he looks very trepidatious about the cake anyway hook worms his way into this scene are we going to say what's going on with Hook? Uh, sure. Hook is actually Rumple in disguise here. I think that won't be revealed for several scenes. And he sort of bumps Will Scarlet out of the way. And Will Will's like, have you come to beat me up for no good reason again? And Hook's like, maybe later, but right now I want to talk to Belle. Okay, I just want to say, the reason I wanted to bring up that... Hook is actually Rumple in a glamour now, even though it's not revealed until later, is because knowing that, you can see that Hook is doing some really good and surprisingly subtle work here. As far as... You mean Colin O'Donoghue? Yes. The actor. Is doing some really good and subtle work here. He's... His rage at Belle dating Will is kind of simmering under the surface. The way that he looks at Will Scarlet and says that he would enjoy blooding him and the way he kind of whisks Belle away. It's it's not so obvious that you're going to know that it's Rumple the first time you're watching it, but it's very clear when you know that's what's going on. Especially because this was, I mean, I know he chose this form because he knows that Hook and Belle have been working together, so this is a good form to get into her grace or at least to gain her trust temporarily. 
which is really weird considering the multiple times Hook has physically attacked her, but nah. I know, maybe if Belle was a little less forgiving, this wouldn't all be an issue. I, if Belle was less forgiving, there'd be no one in this town who Rumpel could take the form of. Because mm. everyone in this town just screws Belle over. Over and over and over again. So Hook pulls... Hook pulls Belle into a side room, and he's all, Hey, so I'm pretty sure that the three evil witches have the dark one in the town, or they're trying to get him into the town. I think the dark one factors in here somewhere. And do you still have that dagger that controls him? And she's like, yeah, didn't exactly get rid of that. And he's like, we should hide it. In fact, you should give it to me and have me hide it so that they won't go after you. She's like, that doesn't quite make sense, but... Okay. <laughs> right? Because according to him, there's no one who's better at hiding stuff than pirates. I don't think that's accurate. I think a lot of the things this show says about pirates aren't accurate. So, Emma, who has a smartphone now. I know, which is interesting because I just want to... I Can I just highlight right now? Emma now has a smartphone. Regina, still rocking a Blackberry. Mm. So, Emma's got a tracker on Regina. Yes, she does. And she's following Regina and Maleficent to Geppetto's house. And Regina's like, okay, what could you possibly need from Geppetto? Duct tape? He's a handyman. And uh, Maleficent's like, no, no, we need his kid. And Regina's like, oh, that's a great idea. I had it three weeks ago. Your, shall I? Oh, no, no. Shall we say, barking up the wrong tree? No. No. Okay, fine. Because he's a puppet. He's made out of wood. Yeah. But this whole thing is very noir, especially with the Maleficent's hat. It really is. It's got a very Casablanca feel to it. Anyway, Maleficent's like, well, have you tried torture? And Regina's like, you know, torture doesn't actually work, right? Like, it gets people to say whatever they think you want to hear to stop you from uh, torturing them. It doesn't actually give you the information you want. Also, it's like super ineffective on children who've had their minds magically altered so that they literally no longer know the information you want from them. And Maleficent's like, hmm, that sounds like the talk of someone who's too much of a wuss to be really evil anymore. Oh, are you a goody two-shoes now, Regina? And Regina's like, I'll show you how good my shoes are. Back in Fairytale Land, Regina and Maleficent decide that the best way for Maleficent to get her fire back is to literally go to that tree that she set on fire for forever. And suck the fire in. Okay. Why not? I guess metaphors are better if they're not metaphors. I do love that she grabs the horned hat that Malef- you know, Maleficent's- Maleficent's- iconic headdress and hands it to Pam and says, get dressed. I mean, come on. That's incredible. So she puts on her fancy horns and they go to the burning tree. Okay. Her dress is giving me feelings. This is a different Maleficent dress than the one we've seen before. It's tight and it's got like this red detailing that kind of sparkles. It Like it gives the, it's the kind of dress you would wear if you were doing 
girl on fire cosplay without being super literal about it like they were in the movie and she walks up to the she walks up to the burning tree and she sucks the fire into herself and it's a pretty solid effect but as uh, Maleficent's trying desperately not to hork, a whole bunch of dudes on horseback ride up. And Regina's like, oh, come on, Maleficent, boot and rally. And one of those dudes is Stefan. So is now the moment where we should talk about what we assume happened as far as Maleficent's backstory, since it's not really made explicit? Yeah, we get the vagueness. It's, it's odd, because she seems like her revenge was focused on Briar Rose, but we definitely, this scene definitely gives us hints that something happened between her and Stefan, which I think is supposed to be the thing that happened in Maleficent, the movie where he cut off her wings and she was a nature spirit or something until that. She was a fairy and then he cut off her wings and stole her magic, which is a rape metaphor. Yeah. Um. But I think, but I think the implication here is that it's, it's King Stefan that she loved. And that... It might be a take on it, you know, because the thing in the Maleficent movie is that the two of them met as children and they right. grew up together and they loved each other and he had sex with her. You know, they had a romantic relationship and then while she was sleeping, he cut off her wings and ran off to marry some other person. Right. It's a very uh, Hercules and Hippolyta. Yeah. But I, I think that here, especially because at the end of this episode... We see Regina practicing the sleeping curse on Snow's horse, specifically because her way to punish Snow is to put the sleeping curse on the thing Snow White loves. I think that definitely adds credence to the idea that that the hundred year curse on Briar Rose was in order to punish Stefan and not Briar Rose herself. See, I think we're getting some, of, of course this is just guessing, but I think this is one of those things where her boyfriend left her for someone else, and instead of blaming her boyfriend, she's blaming the other person. Oh, yeah. That's that's what I think happened. And that's not good. It's definitely not good. But I think that if we're trying to construct what the backstory is that we're meant to assume has happened, that's the way that I interpreted this scene. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she tries to turn into a dragon to smite the man who has wronged her in my interpretation, and fails to turn into a dragon. Super embarrassing. Yeah, she does the Maleficent pose. We see the outline of the dragon, and then... Yeah. So, back in the real world, uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto have just finished making a rocking horse for Baby Neil. Because horses are like... A minor theme in this episode because we saw Snow with her horse at the beginning and now we see like this rocking horse but only for a second because Regina shows up to put the sleeping curse on them so that she can steal the puppet boy. A sleeping curse. She does the super useful thing that we like never see in this show used against like real bad guys. Yeah where you know you just wave your hand and the person falls unconscious. Yeah. So Emma was waiting in there for her, and she's like, bro, what the fuck? Emma's like, this is so not cool. I love how Regina describes her ongoing kidnapping of Pinocchio as one eensy snafu. I also like how she says, you know, 
the villains are acting like heroes by working together, so we have to break the rules. Like villains. Yes. To catch a thief, you must become a thief. To uh, catch a trio of evil women, you must become a trio of evil women. So, Emma's not huge on bringing the unconscious child to the trio of witches. Although, to be fair, Regina talks her into it. Well, Regina says, look, if it looks like anything's going wrong, I'll just fight our way out of there. And Emma's like, why can't you just teleport your way out of there? We saw you teleport a car earlier in this episode. Well, actually, Emma's like, there's three of them. Are you sure you could fight your way out? And Regina's all like, if you were by my side, I could. We'd have that magical lesbian power. And Emma's still, Emma's concerned because she's like, I don't know what's going on. Ever since those three have come to town, my superpower, which is a thing that exists now, has been going haywire. I don't know who to trust. It feels like everyone's lying to me. Which is funny because, like, the one time Emma's superpower is working, she doesn't believe it because surely everyone's not lying to her. It's Her superpower here is like Neville's remember-all. It's completely worthless because every time he holds it, it glows because he's always forgotten something. Or like the, uh, what was the, what was the mirror that showed you when enemies were approaching? Oh, the faux glass? Yeah, or like the faux glass where once Voldemort had returned, the faux glass became worthless because it was like, yeah, enemies surround you all the time. God, living in a dystopia is hard. So Regina's like, Emma, you're being stupid. Your superpower is stupid. It's literally never worked. Just ignore it. I'm surprised she didn't take this opportunity to be like, yeah, your parents are obviously lying to you. You should go follow up on that. So Emma decides to let her do it, but she tells her, she's like, I'm going to be right on your tail. And if I see anything I don't like, I'm going to come in blazing. She's going to be right on her tail. And... I know we read a lot of lesbian subtext into it, but it's because it's right there. Regina has this, like, teary-eyed blank, and the two of them have a moment. And then, of course, Regina brings the un- throws the unconscious child into the car, and she's like, Look at me now! Evil as hell! Yep. And Maleficent's like, Good eviling. Nice unconscious child. As Regina gets in the car, she takes her Blackberry out of her phone, and is like, Shit, this is what Emma's using to track me? I think I'm just gonna drop it on the ground. Because she doesn't yeah. want Emma to get hurt. Aww. That's so sweet. I mean, or maybe she's actually becoming evil because that wouldn't be trite at this point. Ugh. Is she being tempted by her old girlfriend? We know Regina likes blondes. She's got a type. Wait, yeah, her type is blondes who are just a little bit of a mess. <laughs> so back in fairy tale land, Maleficent and Regina are being let off, tied with rope, which doesn't seem like the smartest thing. Well, not for two witches whose powers are fire-based, but, you know, whatever. King Stefan's an idiot. So Regina Regina burns through her bonds and... Fireballs a dude off his horse. Which is pretty cool, but then that's... She's pretty much spent. She doesn't have any more fireballs. And it's like, okay, Maleficent, either we both die now or you turn into a dragon. And it turns out that's all the motivation she needed. Yep, she turns into a dragon, and she breathes a whole bunch of fire on King Stefan, although I don't think we're supposed to think he's dead. No, he's got, like, a shield, so he's fired. That fire was all over him. I'm sorry, that was not going to do bull hockey. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, Emma is not good at seeing blackberries that are on the ground. Well, in the present, Emma's trying to use the tracking app, and then she realizes that she can't because Regina didn't take her phone with her, so oops. Oops. Back in fairytale land, we're getting an Aurora appearance. I know, we haven't seen her in ages. And it's... Uh, it's okay. It's fine. Anyway, she's getting ready for her wedding. We, we see the wedding dress up on the dress form, and Maleficent approaches her from behind while she's brushing her hair so that she can see Maleficent in the mirror. We've seen this scene with Regina several times, so it's kind of cool that we see it being played out with uh, with Aurora, since, you know, in Once Upon a Time, fairy tales speak to each other, so they all kind of follow the same thread. We also saw it with Zelina. We did! Yeah. I think the most interesting part of this scene is Maleficent calling Aurora Briar Rose's sweet-smelling bud of a daughter. Ugh. Creepy! Ugh. But she, uh, she tells Briar Rose that she's got her own special enchantment in mind for her and her little prince. Yeah, she put Which is good continuity on the show's part. She turned Philip into uh, that thing. Yeah, the thing that Mulan fought. Yeah. Yeah. And that Belle fixed. Yes. So I like how Regina's just sort of standing in the background while this is happening. And as soon as... Regina's all like proud because she's like, I did this. I, I reawoke her evil. And now look at all of the havoc. And Maleficent turns to her and she's like, thanks, buddy. And Regina gives her a big thumbs up. Back in Storybrooke, Belle is getting the dagger for Hook. For Hook. Yes. And she goes to give it back to him and then she hesitates because she realizes Waterfrumple is already in Storybrooke. The dagger is the only protection she has. And Hook tells, uh, he tells her, hey, why don't you ask... The, why don't you use the dagger to command the Dark One to face you? And then if he's in town, he'll be summoned to you and you, you'll see him face to face. This was really clever on Hook's part, on Rumple in Hook Disguise's part. Rumple Hook. Yes. Uh, Belle takes the dagger and she de- she holds it up in front of her and she demands, you know, Rumple, Dark One, face me. And... Hook is standing next to her and he turns to look at her when she says that because, of course, he is compelled by the dagger. It's it's actually kind of a funny shot when you know what's going on. Yeah, and I like how conspicu- the, he conspicuously looks in a different direction before she starts talking. And then he turns to face her when she says it. So, yeah, it's cute. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, guess I was wrong. Tosses the dagger to him, wanders off in some random direction. Yep, he's like, I'm going to leave and take the dagger with me and hide it and not tell you where it is so that you can't be tortured for information. All right, see ya. Also, I guess Lacey knew how to drive because Belle just drives off in a car. By the way, leaving Hook in the middle of nowhere. Well, I mean, he was the one who wanted to separate. I see no reason that Lacey wouldn't know how to drive. Hmm. So as soon as she drives out of the way, he bamps back into Rumple, and oh my god, it's Rumple, y'all! Boy, that would have been better if we hadn't spoiled that, like, right at the beginning. Well, I think it was important to know that it was Rumple. Also, I think it's weird how in stories, as soon as the person is gone, they have to drop the glamour. Yeah, we've seen that a whole... We saw that with Cora back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I know it was for our benefit, but seriously. Anyway, we cut from that to Rumple outside of his shop outside of the pawn shop 
He opens the door to enter, and then once he enters, he's hooked. So that when Belle turns around, it's hooked. From the rose she was placing in a vase and smelling, because, you know, Belle is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. What? I know. They hardly ever reference that. So he tells her that the dagger's been hidden and that it's safe, and now she can be tortured as much as she wants, and she won't tell anyone any vital information. But also they should never speak of this again, not even to each other, because Rumple has ears everywhere. So they need to do a pirate code swear, which involves him grabbing her breasts as she promises not to tell anyone. Yeah, he like pushes his hand to her chest and like takes her hand and pushes it to his chest and it's like, this is how pirates swear oath, like, I promise. And he's like, by the way, you and Will Scarlet, that's a thing now, you're, you're, you're dating him? And she's like, well, mostly we just go out for food and then do hand stuff in the back of my car. He's like, do you love him? And she's like, I don't know if I love him or if it's just nice to be around someone who isn't Rumpelstiltskin. Well, I feel like she's being really clear about this where she's like, it's nice having a relationship that isn't all dark, tortured souls and, you know, that isn't all this epic feelings. It's nice being with a guy that I can just, you know, hang out with and do sex stuff with and have food with and, like... And it, everything doesn't have to be a giant thing. Yes, everything with Rumple is a giant thing. And she can just be with Will, and it's not a giant thing. Anyway, then she says, oh, by the way, what is your deal with Will Scarlet? And he so creepily says, he took something that belonged to me. Ugh. Yeah. And then he wanders sadly off. I just, I don't. Like this. This part of Rumple and Belle's relationship makes me very uncomfortable. And of course, you will recall that the last time Rumple felt like something had been taken from him by a man, it was Mila, and he killed her. So, you know, Belle, maybe sleep with one eye open. Maybe keep a hold of that dagger that you. Oh, whoops! God. Hey, this isn't the same situation. Although it does involve a lot of the same people. Yeah, back in the past, Regina's back with Rumpel. And he's like, you got here really fast. I bamped you really far away. And she's like, well, I rode Maleficent all the way back here. Oh my. Yes. So, and he's like, that's weird. I thought she was just this, like, person who did drugs all the time and, you know, not much else. And Regina's like, I helped her remember who she really is. I lit her fire. With my magic, magic fingers. Now, through this whole scene, Regina is really creepily petting Snow's horse, who is lying down asleep, which is not how horses sleep. Mm. So, the Once Upon a Time props people just killed a horse for this. I'm sure it's not a real horse. It, It looks really creepy. Anyway, Rumpel's like, so is Maleficent not gonna teach you that? And Regina says, well, you know what? I realized I already had a perfectly decent teacher. And Rumple takes that to mean him, but I interpreted that as her meaning herself. Well, we know she's still going to learn a lot more from Rumple. That's true. Rumple's like, so that horse, is it? What's happening with the horse? And she's like, he's taking a nap for a hundred years. Ha 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 ha. Which I think is cool. She's practicing the sleeping curse. That's that's what you do. You practice things. 
Back in the real world, Maleficent has uh, brought Regina to Mr. Gold's cabin, which is the perfect place to do magic stuff. Did you know Rumpel had a cabin? Because I don't remember Rumpel having a cabin. Yeah, remember? It was where he uh, took Mr. French to torture him that one time. Right! His torture cabin! Yes! But Maleficent says that this is where they come to hang their evil headdresses. Yeah. And then Regina's like, oh shoot, you don't have a magic device. You brought the fucking dark one back, didn't you? And Rumpel's like, sure did. Yep. And then uh, Rumpel's like, all right, let's question the puppet. And Regina's like, he doesn't know anything. And Rumpel's like, well, yeah, but you know who does? Fucking August. Yeah, so then he like does some sort of hand wavy bullshit and... Pinocchio turns back into August. This raises more questions. For example, who wanted August back? Yeah, no, I mean, that's the biggest question. My question is, were his memories erased or not? Like, how does aging him back into August make him know everything that he knows? Yeah, shouldn't he just be like a 10-year-old in a fully grown man's body? Right? He's all like, I wish I was big. Okay, and I say this as somebody who was super blonde as a kid and very much not now. I don't think you go from being, like, a little redheaded kid to being August. Well, I think we pointed out before, Pinocchio doesn't look at all like child August, but Pinocchio does look like Dr. Hopper. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do with that piece of information. Just throwing it out there. So, next episode, they're going to be torturing August until he tells them, I don't know, how awesome it is to get drunk and have sex with lots of people. This was definitely a giant time waster episode, but at the same time, we actually got a bunch of character development. Did we, though? We didn't, but I'm not mad yet. This was definitely spinning wheels, but I, I wasn't mad. I enjoyed it. I had fun. We got to see a bunch of people being super hammy and wearing awesome costumes. And let's be honest, that's what we come to Once Upon a Time for. Okay, I mean, that's true. And I mean, I'm not mad because in the context of what we do, this show was fine. But I feel like back when it was airing and we were only getting one episode a week for like 20 weeks a year, this was a real waste of time. Mm. That's the thing about binge watching, you know, like... You, our dear listeners, can finish this episode and immediately jump into the next episode, which is much better. Back when it was originally airing, we didn't have that luxury. Uh, Keep in mind, that doesn't mean that Marvel shouldn't cut all of its uh, Netflix shows by, like, four episodes each. Well, I mean, sure. Ideally, none of the episodes would be wheel-spinning time wasters. (laughs) But, I mean, let's not ask for the moon here. So, so that's it for the episode proper. We got our segments, though. First off, I feel like we have more to discuss in Fashion Corner than we have had in a while. Well, I mean... Regina's got her little innocence cloak with the red buckles, which is cute. I mean, it. I feel like it works better than her riding outfits for portraying... I like her ingenue riding outfits. Now, see, I think that her weird buckle half-cloak thing is a really good, this is someone who's evil but knew it being evil. It's a very... Oh, interesting. It's a magical acolyte of evil costume. Okay, okay, I can get that. And I think it works really well for that. Okay, so I don't want to lose my loving Regina cred right now. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just have to say it. 
Every single thing Maleficent wore this week was on point. I was about to say, Maleficent is definitely fashion MVP for this uh, for this episode. Oh my god. Her cute little storybook 1940s skirt suit with the fedora. Oh, to die for. It's so good. It's, it's like Her- she got drawn out of a noir. And the fact that it's like this sort of white ensemble, it makes her look monochromatic in this really interesting way. Yes. Her... Black, tattered, I am, I'm going to hold myself up in my castle and do magical heroin outfit. Great. Her, I'm pulling myself back together, red, accented, tight, I am Maleficent, hear me, turn into a dragon outfit. I, I mean, that outfit just gave me feelings for days. I, everything about Maleficent was, was beautiful. Yes. She was definitely... Fashion MVP. I'm a little disappointed. I think we don't ever see her in any different civilian clothes, which is okay because that outfit's amazing. Yeah. But the fact that it's so good looking makes me kind of wish they'd done more with her civilian-wise later. If if only because, like Lada Priya, they would have had so much to work with. Yeah, I mean, just go back to True Blood and see all this cool stuff they put Pam in. Yeah, I'm just saying, lady knows how to wear clothes. Mm Mm-hmm. One of our other segments is direct references to Disney movies, and... I don't think we have anything this week. Okay, see, I have trouble with this because... Alright, so I feel like this did borrow a whole bunch from Maleficent. Which is odd, because this isn't the sort of source material we tend to see Once Upon a Time borrowing from. Yeah, it's true. Maleficent went so far afield from its own source material, though, that I think it's only natural that it would kind of leak in. And you know... Is it really true that we don't see that kind of stuff leak in? We see how Hook is taking so much from Johnny Depp's portrayal of Jack Sparrow. True. Okay, yeah, I could see. So I think, yeah, that this episode borrowed heavy elements from Maleficent. All right. So I I think that's it. I think that is it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you would like to become one of our patrons, you can go to our website, ilovetelevisionzines.com. And click on our Patreon link to become one of our patrons. We would like to thank our $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Cassidy, Alec, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. Uh, If you'd like to support the show another way, you could always help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, you should head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. If you have a question or comment, send us an email at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or tweet at us at ilovetvzines. So until next week, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. The time to hesitate is through. The time to wallow in the mind. Try now we can only lose. And our love become a funeral pyre. Come on, baby, light my fire Come on, baby, light my fire Try to set the night on fire